You heard the man. It's time for the best sports power talk show there is, was, and ever will be. Some would even say the best sports talk show on this side of Lake Erie. When the clock strikes 11 a.m. on a Sunday morning, you know what it's time for. Sports Power Talk on WZIP. Hello and welcome, everyone. My name is Logan Congrove, and I am your host this week. Joining me for today's show are my analysts. First, we call him around here, the NFL widow, Marcus Anderson. In the house. And second, the rookie on his on his second time on SPT, the very talented sports analyst, Matt Ruka. How we doing, everyone? Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, indeed. And to everybody listening, now that we're acquainted, let's get right into what we're going to be discussing today. We'll kick off today's show with some Guardians news and scores, talk a little bit about some other news in the game of baseball, talk about some USFL, and discuss the immaculate Kentucky Derby winning horse. Then, following the break, we'll get into what's going on in the National Football League, and we'll close our show with an hour segment of NBA playoff talk, as well as some storylines surrounding the league, and of course, our weekly Around the Root question. So let's get right into it, guys. So we're going to start off with the Cleveland Guardians. The Cleveland Guardians, they've been slumping a little bit. You guys been paying attention? What do you guys think? Oh, they look good. They look pretty good in the stretch. I mean, they still in the race for the AL Central. They still, I mean, it's, we still got 100 more games to go. I mean, but they do got a tough week ahead of them. It's early on. I was impressed they were able to split with San Diego, just considering just how good of a roster the Padres have. And then Toronto, obviously, I think they're 1-1 one and one or 1-2 one and two in that series so far with their fourth game today. As long as they can just make uh, make up some ground on Toronto, who's in first place, and just start treading water. That's all you can ask for so far, so I'm not too disappointed. Absolutely. So we have the they are taking on the Blue Jays today at 140. It's going to be a good game today. What do you guys think? Um, I'm looking forward to if if Guerrero is playing, Guerrero Jr. is playing because that's that's like the, been the team to watch for me this season. I've been looking forward to this team all season long. Prior to the season, the most exciting team in all of baseball, I, I say and the Toronto Blue Jays. But I would say that keep the pitching rotations uh, as solid, and they could come up with the win today. Oh, definitely. And I think it. Uh, I don't want to speak too soon here, but it looks like Framil Reyes is finally getting out of his cold yes. streak. I know if you guys listened last week, we were talking about that guy didn't look like he belonged behind a major league plate. And now he's uh, no, he's he's acting like he's your fourth hitter in your lineup again, so that's good. So, you know, hopefully he can uh, get back to his ways. Uh, you know, Stephen Quad finally had his first home run the other day too, so hopefully he can get us a few more, uh, few more homers, get some RBIs, make up some ground on first place. That's all you can ask for today. Stephen Quan is quite exciting. I'm not, I'm not that big of a baseball fan myself, but I do like watching Stephen Quan. I love mm-hmm. that man. Like I, I know, like when I first got put in our sports group chat, it was like the, it was like during the stretch where he was like unstoppable. And like I, I don't know if I haven't said this on air, so like, I want to start this. I want to start this thing where we're. Uh, we call Steve, like Stephen Kwan fans. We should call ourselves the Kwanies. <laughs> I, I like that. Like I, I am. You know, I'll start that. I'm the. I'm the, I'm going to be the first Kwani. I'm a Kwani, on the air. Okay. 11:07 a.m. on Mother's Day. I'm Matt Permuka. I'm a Kwani. I love it. Are you a Kwani? <laughs> yeah, I'm a Kwani. There we go. We got We're all. Here, baby. You heard it here first. We are all Kwanies here up at WZIP. So there's also been some reports recently. Of course. Jose Ramirez finally re-signed with the Cleveland Indians a few weeks ago. And there's been some reports that he was advised not to sign with Cleveland, saying that it's a it's a ghost land for major players. What do you guys think about that? I mean, it, somewhere else, he could have earned way more than that. Like, he 
reports also said that he basically turned down two hundred million somewhere else and just sold for one hundred twenty-four million here in Cleveland. I mean, he could be a story like somewhere else. I mean, he could have went to New York. He could have went to Toronto. He could have went to San Fran, but he chose to just stay in Cleveland. I guess that's what you call Ohio royalty. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I know San Diego is making a strong push for him, too. Uh, but, you know, the whole advising not to sign, that sounds like strictly agent talk because oh, – <clears throat> I know agent salaries are strictly based off a of percentage of their players' contracts. And I don't know what the MLB agent percentage is, but let's just say it's like 5% for easy math. If you're Jose Ramirez's agent – this deal you're making roughly about six million over five years when you could have been making like thirteen, fourteen million over five or six years. So if I'm his agent, yeah, I'm I'm a little bit upset because I'm like because you you as the agent are now out like six, seven million dollars. So I think that's just a bit of just him venting his frustration. Absolutely. So the report came from ESPN's Aiden Gonzalez, and it said that many people weren't on board with the three-time All-Star's choice, though. With his agent, Rafa Knives of Republic Sports, relaying that story, I tried to talk him out of it, and I have said everyone tried to talk him out of it. So you would be correct. It is agent talk. But I do think that J-Ram really does like being in Cleveland. I do, too, and that's something you love to see. Oh, yeah. You know, Paul Dolan's not the most uh, liberal of spenders unless it's his son's failed Senate campaign. But, you know, it's great to see us. It's great to see Paul Dolan, you know, at least try to pay somebody, and it's great to have star players that yeah. want to be here. So. That's Absolutely. real Cleveland loyalty. Oh, yeah. Real Cleveland loyalty. Do you think by J-Ram doing this, it'll attract other players to finally be interested in signing with Cleveland? No, because Paul Dolan doesn't spend. Right. You yeah. Can, you can be with your buddies all you want, but if, like, if someone's paying you $70 million more over four years, you're chase the money. Go get yourself generational wealth. You can be buddy-buddy with your friends all offseason and when you retire. Go Go get some generational wealth. Absolutely. What do you think, Marcus? I mean, I mean, if if a player desperately wants to win, then yeah. But I guess I guess like ballplayers now today is just all about the money. I guess as long as you got that green, they gonna come. But as you say, Paul don't don't know how to spend. No, nope. cheapskate. He is definitely a cheapskate. As we always say up here, one of the worst owners in sports. Yeah. A lot of people yeah. on our station would would like to fight him. Yep. But hey, <laughs> we're nice people up here, so. Go Guardians. Go Guardians. Yeah. So coming up today, like I said, we'll have the Guardians taking on the Blue Jays at 110. And that will continue in that series. But moving forward with some more MLB talk, the next thing we have on our agenda is the Mets and Robinson Cano. I'm sure you guys know who Robinson Cano is. Oh, yeah, definitely. So the Mets owe him a reported $40 million over the next two seasons and decided to designate free agent him. What are your thoughts on that, Matt? You know... It shows the Mets are all in. I know Steve Cohen, he recently bought the Mets. I mean, that money is not an issue to him. So, you know, we can look at that contract and say, wow, you're letting a lot of that walk. They've got the money, too. If, they, if they, they're going all in, they're in first place right now, make your push, go get yourself a ring, and then you can worry about the books later. And like I said, Cohen, money's not an issue to him. So I'm, I, I don't re- I, I'm not too surprised. I'm not too surprised. What do you think, Marcus? I mean, I had no idea Cano was still in the league. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) you might as well just come. I mean, just to save the both of you. I mean, you got a good thing going on with the Mets right now. They're they're the amazing Nets once again, looking like it once again. Like, arguably in first place of the entire major league. So, I might as well just worry about what's going on right now, keep keep the chemistry going, and just worry about that later. 
Do you guys see a future for Robinson Cano after his exit from the Mets? Um, no, absolutely not. I don't. I don't either. And I don't, it, yeah, he's only played in twelve games yeah, this season so far, too. His, right. His greatest days has done past him ever since he left New York. Forty forty million over the next two seasons. They have to give him to <clears> not <throat> play baseball. You got to be pretty bad. You got to mm-hmm. be playing pretty bad. Oh man! Another thing going on in the MLB. We have Bryce Harper called a team meeting for the Phillies the other day. There seems to be some tension brewing in the locker room. Matt, have you heard anything about that? Yeah, I haven't seen anything you know uh, specific about it outside of the team meeting. But I mean, I'm not surprised. Phillies 11 and 15 on the season. They've lost five of their last six, and they're already seven games out of uh, out of first in their division. You know, you never want to get into a slump early. So I don't know if this necessarily spells trouble brewing for them long term. This might just seem like a you know you know get your get your head out of you know where and get ready to let's pick up some ground this month going into the summer stretch. What do you think, Marcus? Yeah, I have heard anything about it, but I see why I, now it's starting to become a frustration with him now. It's just, it's like, in other words, become like, I left Washington for this. Yeah. It, like, it's starting to become a disappointment. It's not solely on him, because he's, he's actually doing his part. He's, he may not look like the Bryce Harper we see, we were watching with Washington over the years, but he's still a Bryce Harper. Yep, and it's so. some, it's something you want to see out of your star player. You're paying him all that money, so you know at least you know it's you know, he he wants to win. And so I think if you're looking at that from like an ownership standpoint, you're like, you know, good on you. You know that contract is somewhat you know worth it. <clears throat> Absolutely. So the team meeting was called after the the Phillies had a seven to one lead going into the ninth inning against the Mets, and then. Norwood allowed a two-run home run to Lindor and was pulled with runners on the corners. Corey Nebel came in and surrendered five more runs, two of which were charged to Norwood. And the Mets ended up winning that game after being down 7-1. to one. That is Like awesome. I said, they're looking like the amazing Mets once again. That is an all-time choke job in Philly That's, sports. That was Awful. That's a big time mm-hmm. choke job. That, what, that that was going into the ninth inning. Like that was in the ninth inning. Yes, okay. going into the ninth inning. Gosh, that is and they that, lost. That's tragic. Yes, that's tragic. It's that's, that's just, in my opinion, I think that's unacceptable from a team. Oh, definitely. So I guess I totally see where Bryce Harper's coming from calling that I team. Definitely. Like, oh my gosh. Go Mets. Go Mets. <laughs> Go Mets. All about the Mets, baby. Go Mets. Go Mets. Go Mets. Get on run. My World Series pick all prior to the season. They still is. You think the Mets are winning the World Series? Yes. I couldn't watch Elaborate. <laughs> Why do you think the Mets are winning the World Series? I mean, Series? like I said, they're looking amazing once again. I mean, they're I mean, everything is coming together. Their pitcher rotation. I mean, they're getting I mean, they're they are right now what we expected of them last year. We expected them to actually dominate the MLB. Now they're finally coming. Now the trades are finally live up to the expectations, live up to the promise, and arguably, like I said, they're like in the race for number one in the entire league right now. I, I don't know about you guys. I couldn't watch Francisco Lindor hold up that trade. <laughs> <I could, laughs> especially, especially after reports like he took the nap during the rain delay of like uh, game seven. Like he took a nap during that. Like and he just he said like he wasn't where he should be. For, like to be like game seven. Like he didn't have that mindset. I couldn't. 
I couldn't watch him take his failed experience in Cleveland and turn yeah. that into a championship in New York. I, mean, I, I could not watch it. It's that. like they're doing everything. It's just, as I see, I feel your pain, but honestly, it's just the Mets are doing everything right. It's not doing, I'm not sure anything that they're doing wrong right now. So it's just, they're just playing ball. Like, like if, I said, the amazing Le- Mets. If Lindor wins a World Series in New York, is this going to be like watching LeBron win a championship, like his first time in Miami? Like, is that, like, is this, it, I, it, it's, it's going to feel just scene. like that, isn't it? It's going to it feel is. just like that. It I, is. I don't want that pain. I don't want that pain. As a Heat fan, I didn't feel that much pain when LeBron won a championship for the Heat. Well, good for you. That must be nice. <laughs> that must be nice. <laughs> we will definitely get into some NBA talk later, which is my favorite segment. Cool. But moving forward, let's talk a little bit about the a little bit about the USFL. Have you guys been paying attention to the USFL at all? Oh yeah, a little bit. I've been trying to keep up with it. I know uh, what team what teams Jeff Fisher coaching. I know his team. Oh, Michigan, it, Panthers. Michigan Panthers. Yeah, so I know the Michigan Panthers. They lost a game over the weekend to the Philadelphia Stars because their kicker went one for five. <laughs> he went one for five or one for six the entire game. He had like a twenty something yarder for the game winner, and, and he, he missed. He doinked he missed. it off the upright too. Like, oh my gosh, that has to be one of the worst things I've ever watched in a football yeah. game. Oh, yeah. I don't care what league you're playing in. If you're playing in the Canadian League, even like the fan-controlled football league, <laughs> I don't care. You can't be doinking 20-yard yeah, field goals. That is the worst field goal miss I've ever seen. I'll, that oh. just tops Billy Cundiff in the AFC Championship oh, game back in, <laughs> back in 2012 AFC Championship. You know, I've seen worse field. I mean, like I've seen worse field goals. Just like playing high school football. Like I know our homecoming game, we scored a touchdown in the first <clears> quarter, <throat> and our kicker shanked it so bad it hit the scoreboard. Wow. Yeah, and then we lost that game seven to six. So I feel like <laughs> that was that we, was the worst field goal I've ever seen. But you know, I, I I've seen some just as yeah. a Browns fan too. I've seen some terrible. Yeah, field that goals. reminds me. I was playing high school. We was playing our rival Shaker Heights. <clears throat> Actually, um, yeah, Shaker Heights. And it was so bad to where it didn't even make it to the end zone. That's how bad it was. Where were it they didn't even make from? it to the end. Like, where were they kicking from? It was like 10 yards. It was like 20 yards from the end zone. Oh. It didn't even make it to the end zone. Oh. No. That's, uh, yeah. that's pretty bad too, Marcus. Oh. <laughs> so, sticking with the USFL, there's a new league. There's a new rule going around in the league. And I wanted to get your guys' opinion on if you think it's good for the league or not. Starting week four in the USFL, they will utilize a running clock after incomplete passes during the first and third quarters. The sudden change is meant to shorten the average length of each game, keeping the action under three hours. Do you think this is good or bad for the game of football? And do you think it'll maybe move outside of the USFL at some point? I think this is definitely a good experiment to try for football. I think for the USFL's sake solely... Because the USFL, I don't, I've, I've, I don't think they're marketing themselves well. I think they're doing a really bad job trying to compete with other major spring sports, like during weekends. Like right now, they're trying to compete with NBA playoffs and uh, PGA. So I definitely think it'd be a lot. You, you, you could sell yourself. Okay, you know this game's going to end relatively soon, so I'm only going to miss about five minutes of the basketball game, or I'm going to be able to watch the back nine of the uh, of the Masters or something like that. Yeah, I think the USFL definitely does need to do this just for the ratings' sake, just so the league doesn't crumble from the get-go. I don't know how the NFL, because the, I don't think this will go to the NFL because the NFL is its own separate powerhouse. Like the NFL has no competition besides itself on Sundays in the fall. 
Yeah, this is definitely something I'll, I'll never see or never imagine transferring outside of this league. I mean, they could try it out to see how it goes, and if people like it, people like it, but I, I definitely don't see this transition to the pros. Absolutely not. I don't even see this transition to NCAA. I would agree with you guys. <clears throat> I think that I think the USFL is a good league to test these things out in, oh, and definitely. if there's something that does happen to be good, then maybe other leagues will adopt it, but I don't think that this is one of the things that the NFL will take into consideration. No. USFL continuing. The Birmingham Stallions are the only unbeaten team in the USFL still. Since you guys said you have been paying attention a little bit, what team have you guys been following? Uh, go ahead. We'll go ahead, Marcus. I mean, well, I've been following any specific teams as... Of course you're not. You I mean, NFL widow. <laughs> I mean, this this is a, a league of NFL rejects. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, not to be so harsh, but that's well, you, the truth. That's not wrong. Well, you're, you're not, not wrong. You're not dying to watch Paxton Lynch and Shea Paxton <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on, on random weekends. <laughs> I uh, see that. I mean, it was all right. That was, it was cool. Watch. I mean, Shea Paxton is doing his thing. He's doing yeah. his thing. Shea Patterson. What about you, Matt? You following any specific team? You know, I wasn't to begin with in the Pittsburgh Maulers cut a player because he wanted some pizza, so I've been enjoying <laughs> watching them lose. And, you know, it's just great. Like, outside of Birmingham, because all the games are being played in Birmingham, like, all of these games, like, it just, when Birmingham's not playing, it just resembles, like, a JV high school football game. Yeah. Like, completely empty stadiums, just some dudes running into each other. And then, like a bunch of like parents and relatives in the stands, it's it's it, it's weird to see. Yeah, it's I mean, weird to see. It's I mean, pretty- it's basically like trying to bring something back from the dead. I mean, it re- it's just like trying to revitalize a Roseanne or that TV show, <laughs> even that revitalized the Wonder Years. I mean, I heard that show show is going well, but it's just not the same. So yeah, it was it was great in the eighties. It, it had its time. <laughs> But it's <laughs> it's back in the 80s. let's leave it in the eighties. Yeah, maybe you need to give the league back to Donald Trump. Hey, oh, please could make it interesting. Yeah, get him out of get him out of the race. <laughs> so, recapping some games from the USFL this Friday, we had the Philadelphia Stars and the Michigan Panthers. Like Matt alluded to, the Stars won twenty six to twenty five due to the Panthers' little blunder at the field goal line. Saturday, we had the New Jersey Generals and the Pittsburgh Maulers. The Generals took that one 21-13. And the Birmingham Stallions played the Tampa Bay Bandits. They came away with the win there. The Stallions won 16-10. And then today, this afternoon, we have the Houston Gamblers at the New Orleans Breakers, which, from what I've heard, the Breakers seems to be one of the favorites up at the station in our group chat especially. Mm -hmm. Dan Groen, I know you're listening. Go Breakers. Pat Weber, go Breakers. USFL Podcast. USFL hey, Podcast, absolutely. SBT Overtime on all pa- on all podcast platforms. There you go. Gotta you heard the, the little, man. Got to get the plug in there. Absolutely. You heard the man. SPT Overtime and Rewind. They're both on the platforms for everybody to enjoy. <laughs> so we're going to kick it back over to the MLB for a little bit longer after we covered some USFL news. Going on in the NFL, I mean in the MLB, excuse me, the Mets hitting coach believes that the MLB is still using juice balls for nationally televised games. True or false? Marcus, what do you think? I mean, I can actually see that. I can actually see that being the case. I'd hope so. I mean, like, if you're going to put out a sport on national television, especially like Sunday Night Baseball or something, you want an entertaining product. Like, 
I'm not going to sit there on a Sunday night and watch a one nothing pitcher's duel into like the eighth inning. Like I, I can't do that. I don't have the attention span for that. I want to see a baseball crushed into left center. Absolutely. Give me juice balls. Bring back the juice balls. Yeah. I want entertaining baseball games. Oh, yeah, definitely. So you think that you do think it's good for the game to have juice balls and. Do you think they should do it in all games, or just do you agree with that it might just be nationally televised ones? Prime time's probably the best because, like, with like, what we have, like, a, what the Guardians play, like, 2 o'clock on a Tuesday or something. All of a sudden, like, you check your phone at work, and it's, like, 14 to 8, and you're like, what is this? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you, need to, you need to do it when people will see, uh, you know, like, like I said, like, because MLB, you get random time slots all the time. I don't think you need to make a really small market game like the sports center headline, but definitely do it when people are watching. Yeah, whatever it takes to bring the game back to its prominence, uh, make the America's pass sign once again, because that has been the same since the 90s. That was the last time that baseball was actually exciting. So the steroid era. Yeah. Yeah. I do think that baseball could use a little spice, in my mm-hmm. opinion. I know there's a lot of people that wouldn't agree with that, but I think that there's so much more that we can do with the game of baseball to make it more appealing to the fans. And if that's the ultimate goal of the league, then they should they should consider coming up with some solutions to make it more interesting. Because yeah. nobody wants to sit, in my opinion, nobody wants to sit through a three-hour game with no home runs ends up being like 0-0, zero, 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 oh, one yeah. Nobody wants to see a tie. No. So I think I would agree with you guys that juice balls, I think, should be on in the league. I think it just helps. Hear, hear me out. For complete chaos, like if a game goes into extra innings, all the balls are juiced. Okay. We do the ghost runner and juice balls for extra innings. I like that. We just, we create complete chaos. Like, you know how like NFL, like when an NFL game goes into overtime, like every app on your phone goes crazy. Like tune in to watch overtime. Baseball could do that. You just give, like, you just give them juice balls, give them court bats, big ghost runner, <laughs> And then extra innings turn into like this shootout. I think that'd be good. What do you think, Marcus? Oh, I'm loving it. <laughs> Did I just fix Major League Baseball? You might have. Rob Manfred, hey, like, come on. Pay Man, me. I right think here. anybody in this room, anybody in the city of Akron, anybody in the entire world could be a better commissioner than Rob Manfred. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really low bar. Like Rob It Manfred. is a really low bar. As we've talked about before, I think he's the worst commissioner in sports out of the four major sports. I'd, I'd agree to that. Another MLB headline that has been in the news recently is substance checks on pitchers. Recently, Madison Bumgarner for the Diamondbacks was ejected after becoming irritable about a substance check. He did not; he was not using any substance on his hands to pitch, but it was very irritating to him that he was a, that he was even being checked at all. He got upset with the umpire, and they they ejected him. Following that incident, the umpire did apologize for ejecting Bumgarner, but I just wanted to get your guys' opinion. Do you think that substance checks on pitchers are necessary when it seems to me that they're only getting checked when they're having good games? Do you think that they're necessary? Do you think that there's still substances being used? I think, um, oh, go ahead, Marcus. I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, no, you go ahead. Okay, yeah. no, I think pitchers, they should be allowed some sort of substance because, again, like at the same time, like the baseballs after a couple innings, they just, they're, they, it becomes so slick you can't grip or command them whatsoever. You, you need they should be able to get just something for control, but at the same time, like I think that just shows how it, it makes great pitchers look great when they can have command over their pitches, regardless of conditions of the ball. But I think like, and it's kind of just disrespectful for the umpires to assume, oh, you know, 
this guy's having a great game. He must be. He he must have some illegal substance on him. So I let the pitchers use some substances. Don't necessarily take it to the extreme that it was. Let them have some substances. Umpires get off their case. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure if it's necessary. I'm not sure if that will any uh, that will have any effect on the pitching itself or on the ball itself, like the speed of it when you throw the ball or pitch the ball. I mean, I heard many, I heard many of like Hall of Fame pitchers today that has been using substances like Gaylord Perry. He's been, he's been claimed that he's been using spitballs. The same with Nolan Ryan. They've been using it for years and years. They've been using it throughout their whole careers. And also, I also heard Roger, Roger Clemens said that it doesn't matter himself as well. Even he says that it, it's not about how how fast you throw the ball. It's just it's just the philosophy you have on it. So I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's have any change at all. I don't think it make any difference if you use substance or not on the on the ball. So I don't think it's necessary. All right. Before we wrap up our first segment, final thoughts. I know Marcus's opinion. Who do you think is winning the World Series? And do the Guardians have a shot? The amazing Mets. The amazing yeah. Mets? Yeah. You really want to see Francisco Lindor lift the trophy? I mean, it's the truth. I'll keep it real. Oh. Just keep it real with you. I know, I know. I know how y'all Clevelanders feel, but I'm just keeping it real with you. The Mets are looking amazing once again. Don't, don't put me through that pain. Yeah, I'm not. I'm fucking I know. I'm sorry. I'm, I know. I feel your pain, uh, man. But it's real like... Do you feel like <coughs> pain, Marcus? Because I feel like you don't. <laughs> I mean, I feel your pain. I feel your <laughs> I'll believe you. I'll believe you. What do you think, Matt? Do you think that the Guardians have a chance? And if not, who is winning the World Series? Do the Guardians have a chance? Yeah, no. I would agree. No, our our payroll's too too small. We don't have the star power to do so. And then my World Series picks, that's a great question. Who will will I go with? I'll go with Atlanta. I'll repeat. I'll say Atlanta repeats. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm going to second that. I'm going to go with Atlanta as well. Sounds good. All right. So that's going to wrap up our first segment here as we go into break. Stick with us as we head into the NFL coming right up here on Sports Power Talk. We are back here on Sports Power Talk. Thank you for sticking with us. We're going to be moving into our NFL segment. But first, I wanted to quickly talk about the Kentucky Derby. Did either of you guys watch that? Rich Strike won with 80-1 to 1 odds and began as a scratch replacement. And he's from Northeast Ohio. There we go. Wow. That's out. That's crazy to me. Oh, yeah. No. I watched, uh, yeah, I uh, go off your first question. I did watch it. So, like, my sister was with me. We watched it. My sister, like, so, like, I watch racing. So, like, when my sister, she's a race on, she just normally assumes it goes for, like, three hours. It's so, like when she, like, so, you know, the Kentucky Derby is, like, no more than two minutes. So, like, I was, like, freaking out, like, right when the end came on. And she's like, what happened? It just started. And I'm like, no, no, it's over. And that random horse just won. Can we talk about like they the owner bought that horse for thirty thousand dollars and it and that's now worth almost two million dollars. That horse was a week away from going to the glue factory, and now it's sitting in the Kentucky Derby victory lane. That is insane. Mm-hmm. That is insane. Can you imagine coming into that as yeah. a scratch, thinking, oh, this is just a cool opportunity, and then you win? That that's absolutely insane. Like they, they, the horse wasn't in the race till Friday, right? It wasn't so the race he wasn't Friday. even like 
actively training. Like, you know, it wasn't... And then, uh, you know, I saw one of these tweets on, you know, like, one of those, like, Twitter accounts, like, freezing cold takes or something, and it was, like, someone doing, like, a podcast for, like, the Kentucky Derby preview show, and they're like, oh, we forgot Rich Stryker to talk about them in the podcast, and they just like, here's all you need to know, and it was just, like, a tortoise emoji because of how slow it... Yeah, because it's <laughs> slow. And no, it won the whole thing. It won the whole thing. Unbelievable. It's really, truly unbelievable. Talk it was the upset. biggest win yep, in the Kentucky Derby yep. in 148 years. Yeah. That was the highest odds that have won the wow. Kentucky yeah, Derby. Yeah, it's raised up one. a good idea by Mike Leach, the head coach of the Mississippi State football team. Yeah, he even that. Yep. said on Twitter that that horse win the Kentucky Derby is a good example of why the college football playoffs should be expanded. I mean, it shows that <laughs> oh, it yes. gives everybody a good chance to win it all. It gives everybody that good chance and make college football more exciting to watch. Only Mike Leach could turn a horse race into a comment about his Mississippi State Bullfrogs. Mike Leach. Gotta, lo- gotta love Mike Leach. <laughs> all right. So moving into our NFL segment, we're going to start off with, obviously, the biggest headline in the NFL world in the past week, DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins, Cardinals wide receiver, has been suspended for six games for violating the NFL's PED policy. Hopkins reacted to the suspension on Monday night, tweeting out that he was confused and shocked by his positive test. His quote was, In my 10-year career, I have never tested positive for using performance-enhancing drugs. Hopkins said on Twitter, To learn that my November test came back with trace elements of a banned substance, I was confused and shocked. I am very mindful of what I put in my body, and I've always taken a a holistic approach. So I'm working with my team to investigate how this could have happened. But even as careful as I have been, clearly I wasn't careful enough for that. I apologize to Cardinals fans, my teammates, and the entire Cardinals organization. I never wanted to let my team down. Do you guys think that Hopkins really did willingly violate the PED policy? I do not think he did. And I saw a great uh, clip about this. Uh, from Pat McAfee, who's a former NFL punter, too. So DeAndre Hopkins, you alluded to it. He says he takes a very holistic approach. And a lot with that, a lot of that stuff, like they take a lot of like supplements and vitamins. However, a lot of these supplements are not FDA regulated. So the ingredients label on them is not necessarily what's actually in there. So like the print on the bottle, not necessarily what they put in there. So it's highly speculated he took a supplement for I don't X Y and Z, but it had one of a like had the chemicals of a banned substance. So I I think this was just accidental. It's very accidental on his part. Marcus, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I believe him. I mean, it's it's been clear for years now. Is it come out in the open? I mean, now the league need to not just check the players, but need to check on the doctors themselves, like what they're prescribing to these players, because sometimes the doctors. Don't know what they're doing as well. I mean, they might know what they're doing, but they don't. I mean, with some of the things they advise these players to take, mm-hmm. I mean, it may not take effect. I mean, because you know DeAndre Hopkins for the last last half of the season missed the last nine games due to leg injury. That's right. what he was probably trying to do. It was, yeah, he was yeah. probably after his November test. He probably didn't play after that, so it's not like right. he was. You know, he, he wasn't. He wasn't playing on roids right. at, like the end of the season. Right he, he though, so he was just trying to take something that could like um, better health for his, for himself, pretty much. So, yep. like like I said, the league need to check into these doctors as well and into what they advise these players to take. Yeah. Do you think that this is happening more in other players, and it's just going unnoticed, and it was brought to? the public eye because of Hopkins? Or do you think that 
it's not as big of a deal as people are making it. I mean, same thing with CTE. Why are we not all of a sudden, after all these decades, we're now finding out about concussion? <laughs> and, uh, and I think a lot of this, so so the NFL, they just had a new collective bargaining agreement relatively recently. And with each new collective bargaining agreement comes the list of banned substances. So a lot of times, like, we see this, like, when the CBA just changes, you see a lot of players test positive for performance-enhancing drugs, which because they were taking supplements under the old agreement were fine, but under the new one are now banned. So, like, you see you see this a lot of times, like, after that. You see a lot of star players or just, you know, relatively just roster guys get suspended just for substances because, uh, you know, their doctors or just them they themselves aren't updated when it comes to the new list of substances. I think that I don't – I think I agree with you as well. I don't think it's as – I don't think it's as much on the players as it is on the league and on the doctors. They they keep updating this list, and it it's affecting play. Like that's gonna, I think that's going to have a major impact on the Cardinals season. Him being out six oh, games, definitely. And of course, leading into, he is going to appeal it. Do you think that the NFL will approve his appeal, or do you think we'll be stuck without Deshaun DeAndre yeah. Hopkins for? Six games. If they could. He could take it to court and try to investigate and find what he found in investigation. He could take it to court and try to re- try reverse his punishment. <laughs> I don't think this one gets rever- if he tested positive back in like April or May when the new CB like when the 2021 CBA was put in place. I think he could have got it repealed as long as you know he doesn't test positive for that substance down the road. Uh, but since you know it happened in November, they had several months to update themselves on the list. I I, I don't think he's gonna get any. I don't think he's gonna get anything reduced or the suspension yeah. lifted over, like as a whole. Yeah, but the Cardinals, well, with the Cardinals themselves, as of this hurting them, I mean, it's just for the first six games of the season, and also with that trade with uh, Marquise Brown, and also with them possibly looking forward to. Because I saw Odell Beckham at, at a Phoenix Suns game. And I get, that gave me the thought, like... We speculating Ooh. here? We speculating? Yeah, okay. I, was, I was starting to speculate. Once I saw Odell, like, what is he doing in Phoenix? Like, is he is he going to sign with the Cardinals? Could he be catching passes is, is, for Kyler? Is he just going to okay. watch Devin Booker play? Or is he, <laughs> like, he going to go beat Kyler Murray? Right, that was I was like, like hmm, I don't what care are you where doing the guy goes. Phoenix? It just better never be in a Browns uniform again. <laughs> I can't watch that guy in a Browns uniform ever again. All right, next thing we're going into. Pete Carroll says the Seahawks are still in the market for a quarterback but not looking to trade. Do you see the Seahawks sticking with Drew Locke or or Geno Smith, for that matter? And how does this affect the Baker Mayfield saga? I love talking about Baker Mayfield, so I can't wait to hear this. Can we slander him more? Jake's not Jake's here not today, here today so I plan to slander <laughs> Baker slander Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, guys. Let's do it. Baker I'll start with you, Matt. Do you think that the Seahawks will stick with Geno Smith or Drew Locke, and how does it affect Baker Mayfield's situation? Uh, so just going off your first question, the Seahawks QB room, when you first sent me this outline and I was doing my research on this, I looked up their quarterback room. And the first thing I have on my notes is just LOL with a bunch of <laughs> laughing emojis. Because <laughs> there's no way you can roll into a season with Drew Locke, who's I I don't. Some people up here thought that Drew Locke was going to be like the future Drew for Denver. Lo- yeah, Drew Locke I so too. is Josh Allen if Josh Allen was under every substance at once. You know, like just completely erratic. He's he's huge. He's got a rocket arm, but he does not know what he's doing. He's, and then Geno Smith is like 33 at this point. That is awful. Yeah. It, 
Seattle's weird because Pete Carroll, he doesn't have many years left in the league. And, you know, there's they can't re- Pete doesn't want to rebuild because Pete can't stick around for a rebuild. Right. So they need to find a way to try to somewhat stay competitive. And I think they're trying to just wait out the Browns and see what they do with Baker Mayfield. But even then, I don't know if Baker Mayfield's necessarily your answer. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why. I was thinking... I was thinking with them sent in the first sent in the first round, they could have had like Desmond Ritter or Malik Willis landing in their lands landing in their laps. But I heard reports saying that, but they didn't feel like drafting Malik Willis because he didn't feel like they didn't feel like that he was NFL ready. So I guess, and they also there's discussions between them and the Browns wanting to trade for Baker. But I guess the Browns were having a big accent price for Baker Mayfield. So I'm I'm just cause I'm just gonna say like for the Browns, it'll be a bad idea for them to just release Baker and then the Seahawks get him that way. See here, so here's the th- the thing about this Baker situation that makes it unique is because he's under a fifth year option, and fifth year options are fully guaranteed. So if Baker were to be released, he would have to get all of his money. It's not like those situations where. Uh, Odell and ex- uh, Odell's an example with Cleveland. So Odell and the Browns agreed to a buyout like they'd eat so much of his contract and Odell would reimburse them the other part of this. Mm. Because it's a fifth-year option, you ha- like the Brown- Baker Mayfield is entitled to nearly $19 million wow. fully. Oof. So Sorry. even if he demanded a release, he would not like the Browns wouldn't get any of that money back. They have to pay him all eighteen point eight or nine million of that. Wow, so that's an L for the Browns, really. That's losing money right well, there. So, like, and here's the thing: so if you're gonna if you're gonna eat all that money, why not just just keep him home? Yeah. Why, like if if you're I gonna guess. if you're gonna spend nineteen million dollars, don't spend nineteen million dollars on a guy that's playing football out in Seattle or Carolina mm-hmm. or Pittsburgh. Or I mean, something. yeah. You could try to trade for a compensatory and, 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 yeah, pick. No, if, you, if you keep him, you get a compensatory pick. Yeah, because yeah, you, you would still give your player yeah. all the money he was guaranteed. And, like, just you, you don't – and it doesn't violate anything uh, in the player's contract, like player's union. I think we should keep him. I agree with Matt. I think we should keep him on our roster. Don't give him – because on the as much as I hate to say it, on the off chance that he does end up being really good for someone else, he's not. He won't be. No. But on the off chance, we'd be paying someone else for their franchise quarterback, which I think we have our franchise quarterback now. But we'd be paying someone else's franchise quarterback nineteen million dollars. That doesn't sit right with me. Mm-hmm. I think we should consider just putting him on our practice squad. You mean he's hurt anyway? <laughs> he can't even play. So we yeah. might as well just send him down and say, don't show up. No, and that's another thing. He's coming off labrum surgery. He's not going to be able to throw a football until no June. No chance. Like, I think he said something. He was starting, like, his, like, light rehab in, like, uh, mid, uh, excuse me, middle of April. And, like, he won't be able to really do, like, anything like seven on seven or even just, like, drills, like, with the team until probably mid-July, like, right before camp. Yeah, I think... I think they, I see them doing something with Baker Mayfield in June, whether that's releasing him or sending him somewhere else. I heard that the Seahawks and the Panthers are still the two teams interested. I think with the drafting of Kenny Pickett, I think the Steelers are out. I would agree to that. Uh, so, just, uh, even even like after the draft, I'm looking at this and like the 2023 quarterback class is loaded. If you look at some early odds, like uh, some sports books have 
the over-under on first-round quarterbacks <clears throat> taken next year at six and a half. Like, next year is loaded. So do you have, like, if you're, like, in the, if you're an NFL GM or just a front office member, you got to ask yourself, do I want to take, like, a one-year rental on Baker Mayfield or even, like, a two-, three-year rental on Baker Mayfield? Or do I just want to wait this out with what I have and then go for one of these and then just go for a quarterback class that is supposedly loaded in, like, and I mean loaded in all caps, exclamation points, any emoji. Like next year's quarterback class is going to be like the 2018 quarterback class on steroids. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, do you guys think this year's quarterback class was really as good as people made it sound? This quarterback class was a joke. Yeah, I think definitely. so. This quarterback class was it a joke. Definitely. I don't, I don't see like, I think Malik Willis has a brighter future in the league than Kenny Pickett, which is going to transition me into my next topic, actually. Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill said in a quote in his interview that it is not his job to mentor Malik Willis. To me, that sounds like he's a little bit scared that he's going to lose his job. I'll start with you, Matt. Do you think, honestly, not even just pertaining to them, do you think it is the veteran quarterback's job to mentor somebody coming in? And specific to this situation, do you think that Malik Willis was brought in to take Ryan Tannehill's position? Okay, going off your first question, I do, it's not Tannehill's job exactly. I think that quote was like a bit out of context because I think the reporter asked something like, "Like how how are you going to help Malik turn it like become like a pro?" And it's like that that isn't Ryan Tannehill's job. Ryan Tannehill is paid to go play quarterback. Now, if like. If Ryan Tannehill were to completely close himself off from Malik Willis, that'd be a completely different story. Like, let's say, like, like there's a, let's say, like, hypothetically, a report comes out during training camp, or like Malik Willis is like, hey, you know, how'd you read this coverage? You know, that one tricked me, but I saw you ran that well. And Tannehill's like, I'm not telling you. Like, I want to play. You know, that, that'd be a completely different thing. But I, as long as Ryan Tannehill, like, is he, if he's open with Malik and he's asking, like, asking questions, <clears throat> that's all you can want out of a out of an older veteran quarterback. Uh, but you know, that's that, that's on the coaching staff, that's on the offensive coordinator, that's on the quarterback's coach, that's on Mike Vrabel. That 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 it, it's your job to coach the player. It's not your starting quarterback's job to coach his backup. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I see it that way. I agree with that. And I also saw Kurt Warner also comment replying to that message. He, on Twitter, when he was like, "I don't understand the, I don't understand the mentality of that. That's not my job." Yeah, I mean, but at the same time, seeing with that, I understand that it's not his job, but also that you guys are are on the same team. You guys are teammates, so uh, why not try to make each other better by helping out, at least helping out? But I'm not actually the coach, a guy. I'm not actually the baby. The, I'm not actually to hold his hand and yeah. take him through the process, but at least I show him through the procedure pretty much. And yeah, I, I kind of understand this a bit from, like, Ryan Tannehill's perspective. I mean, like, they they brought him in for a press conference, like, a week after the draft. And, I mean, like, yeah, you so you bring in competition. You're going to be a little insecure for the time being. Like, you you have competition now. Like, someone's at your heels, and I kind of understand that. Like, you know, he, he should feel a bit threatened that his job might be taken. <sighs> Like that's that's why you draft a quarterback. I think that originally Ryan Tannehill was brought into the Titans with the understanding that he was going to be a temporary solution, and then he took him to the playoffs and won. And they were kind of like, "All right, we can work with this guy." But now, last couple of years, there've been early exits, yeah. yeah. And Ryan Tannehill looks more like the Ryan Tannehill that they signed originally. 
So I mm-hmm. think that Malik Willis will end up. I, I don't think this year. I think Tannehill is safe this year. I'm not, I, I still got help for Tannehill. Tannehill still got And besides, I would say this new Tennessee receiving core is a bit of an upgrade compared to last season. I mean, with A.J. Brown not living up to the, his breakout season prior, and then also with the disappointing trade for Julio Jones and then end up releasing him. I think this is an upgrade with, like, trading for Robert Woods for the Rams and then also the draft there, Traylon Burks from Arkansas. Mm-hmm. I'd say this is an upgrade. I think so, too. Yeah. Another big signing we had in the NFL not related to the draft is Teron Matthew. Teron Matthew finally made his decision. He is going to be headed to the Saints. He's headed home to Louisiana where he went to school. What are your guys' thoughts? Is he a good fit for the New Orleans Saints? No, that, that is a great fit. That is definitely fulfilling for the void of letting Marcus Williams go, who is off in Baltimore now. Mm-hmm. And also, I was, I'll say him, him and the... Him and Colin Hampton, they could make a deadly uh, safety duel in the backfield. But also, back with Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger, he's back at home, Louisiana, where he belongs. And also, to what is already a Super Bowl caliber defense, the New Orleans Saints. Oh, yeah. And also with they could they could have a, they could have play quarterback whoever for them. They they get. They could call Tim Cowles. They could call Brandon Whedon and play quarterback for them. <laughs> and they could, they, could, they could be a playoff team. Also, with that draft there, Chris Olave and maybe Michael Thomas coming back. I don't know. But yeah. every, anyways, this is a, already a Super Bowl defense getting better. And that's a scary thought for offenses out there. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. I like. I, well, I'm looking at the Saints' uh, secondary right now. They got Marcus May, Tyron Matthew at the safeties. They got Marshawn Lattimore at corner, and then you have Demario Davis at your linebacker, Cam Jordan on off the edge. Oh, man, they get they did get Marcus May from the Jets. Oh, man. No, dude, like that team is ready to compete. This like, is going to be the number one defense in the league. If, I'm wow. telling now. If, okay. if, if Thomas Elijah Brady didn't get bored of retirement after 40 days, this New Orleans Saints team would be my pick to yeah, win the division. Definitely. But right now, just considering just like the NFC is not the greatest conference at the moment and that might be putting it generously I mean so I mean like as long as Jameis Winston doesn't have another 30 for 30 season I don't see why this team could could uh could not be a five or six yeah I'm talking I'm talking like I'm talking like 2000 Ravens old school Steelers 2015 Broncos kind of defense kind of defensive dominance from this Saints defense right here I I I agree with that. I, I would, definitely. I would love agree. to see that. And then you have J- like, and then Jameis Winston. Like I'm I'm look I'm uh, going off like the 2000s Ravens and 2015 yeah. Broncos. Like I think Jameis Winston's better than Trent Dilfer <laughs> and Peyton definitely. Manning and Peyton Manning's corpse for sure. I mean, like, <laughs> like, Brock Osweiler. Don't forget oh, Brock, Brock Osweiler. Osweiler. <laughs> yeah, this, this, the power forward playing quarterback. Yes. No, but I really like this Saints team. I think. I'm I'm higher on Jameis Winston than most people are, and I think you give him good receivers. He's got LASIK now. Like, as long as Alvin Kamara isn't like going to jail for what he did at the Pro Bowl, oh, man. this team oh. could. I, all it takes is one key injury yeah. on Tampa Bay, like yeah. like in the secondary or like an offensive yeah. lineman, and all of a sudden this division's wide open. Yeah, because they. They done proved to you that they can shut down Tom Brady. They got Tom Brady's number. They, they done proved that. They haven't lost to Brady in the regular season. Right. Since he's been in Tampa. They're four and zero against him in the regular Correct. season. I think what they're zero and one in the playoffs though. Yes, but I mean that's you know again Drew Brees' last little puff of competent quarterback play. But. <laughs> Next thing we got on the NFL agenda: Jarvis Landry and the Cleveland Browns. 
So it's reported that the Browns have not contacted him as of recently, and the team showing the most interest is the Baltimore Ravens. Matt, how do you feel about that one? Yeah, Jarvis isn't coming back. And as much as we'd like to like put the idea out there after we got Watson, like, oh, maybe Jarvis wants to play with him. When you put a three-minute-long tribute video all over social media, that doesn't really spell potential reunion in, like, two months. As far as Baltimore goes, Baltimore needs receiver help. And Jarvis Landry on the Raven, like, that just seems like such a great fit for both sides. As much as I would hate that idea, that would work so, so well. Oh my god! Like just because Jarvis, he doesn't have the same speed that he used to, and you you can just let him roam the middle of the field and give Lamar Jackson another safety valve. Like it'd be a little career renaissance for Jarvis, I think. Yeah, I mean, this is a no brainer for the Ravens. I mean, as they got no number one receiver left for Lamar Jackson. I mean, Hollywood Brown is off to Arizona, and Sammy Watkins is off to Green Bay. So, yeah, this is a no-brainer for the Ravens right here. Yeah, that's Rashard Bateman in a practice squad. Yeah. (laughs) I could see the Ravens definitely making a play for Jarvis Landry. And before we wrap up this segment, I wanted to pose the question to you both. Post-NFL draft, as of right now, who is your pick that won this offseason? I'll start with you, Marcus. Who do you think won the NFL offseason? The L.A. Chargers. Interesting. Yes. Elaborate. Yes. I mean, with the signings they made, I mean, with uh, J.C. Jackson training for um, Khalil Mack, and now they just signed uh, Kyle Van Noy yep. and Bryce Callahan. They just make their defense a whole lot better now. And also, keep it also re-signing Mike Williams, keep all their big playmakers on offense. So I think, I think they could. I think they could dethrone the Kansas City Chiefs. Win the AFC West. Oh, I agree with you. Yeah, and even I, I heard I heard Brandon Staley saying that. I mean, p- teams build around their franchise quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Well, he goes a different direction. It builds around his top defensive playmaker in Derwin James, who I mm-hmm. still still once again is like one of the best DBs in all of pro football. Oh yeah. So yeah. Hey man, they got Tom Arthur over there. How can they lose? <laughs> <laughs> uh. Best coach in football. <laughs> Matt, what do you think? Okay, so I put down several teams because I had the suspicion someone else would take the Chargers. Uh, but, you know, I also said the entirety of the AFC West because although the Chiefs traded Tyree Kill, they got such an overhaul. Like, they got such a load from the Dolphins. They got, what, their entire three first rounds of picks. Like, the Dolphins didn't have a pick till the fourth round. And so they get Sky Moore, George Karloftis. They got a DB in the first round, too, I believe. Like, the Chiefs, the Chiefs reloaded, and that team's scary. The Chiefs won that trade. They did. No, very much so. Uh, the Raiders got Devontae Adams, and they extended Derek Carr, so they're going to stay competitive. And uh, the Denver Broncos, Jeff, this is for you. You guys went from Teddy Bridgewater to uh, Russell Wilson, so that's a clear upgrade. And then I also, I also got to show love to my Cleveland Brownies. You go from you go, you go from Mr. Cheesecake Factory to Deshaun Watson. <laughs> that is the such... Worst. Quarterback in the history of the world. Nah, not the, we've had. I had I, okay, I'm not gonna. Say I just Baker, like to get it, Jake. I I don't like Baker Mayfield either, but at the same time, like I had three branded Whedon jerseys as a kid. I'm I not gonna hear. I had a Whedon jersey. I'm not gonna bash Baker Mayfield. I bought branded Whedon jerseys off a Chinese website. I have no right to call wow. Baker Mayfield a that's, terrible. That's terrible devoted. 
All right, that's going to wrap up our NFL segment. Stick with us as we move into our hour-long segment about the NBA, the playoffs, and other headlines, as well as Around the Rue. You won't want to miss it right here on Z88. Welcome back to Sports Power Talk, everyone. I am your host, Logan Congram, and joining me is my man, Matt. How we doing, folks? And Marcus. What's up with it? And what happened to your boys from Miami, man? We'll get to it, man. We're still up. Man, I'm telling you. We're still winning it all. It all? Yeah. You'll win the series. Okay. No, nah, we're winning the whole thing. The whole and we'll thing? get to that okay. when we go through our predictions. Oh, okay. But we're going to recap what's been happening so far. We'll start with Celtics versus the Bucks. The Bucks are up 2-1 to one in that series. Guys, what do you think about this series? And do you think that the Celtics still have the firepower to come back? See, last week, so if you guys listen, like, like you should every week to, you know, stay in the loop of all things. I said last week that the winner of this series, in my mind, is going to win the NBA Finals. Like, in my mind, this is the NBA Finals. And I think Boston definitely does have the firepower to come back. I, but I think the Bucks and Celtics are both the most dynamic teams in completely opposite ways. I think Boston's dynamic in the point where they, they have multiple playmaking shot creators and they can s- stretch and space the floor very well. Whereas Milwaukee just has a bunch of guys that can wear you down and get a bucket whenever they feel like it. I mean, this is such a confusing series. This is the one series I've been thinking long and hard about. I mean, these are almost two mirror reflection teams, except the Celtics may be more offensively explosive. Because you got to admit, Jason Tatum is a bad boy. Oh, and they may have the defensive player of the year, but the Bucks are... I would say it's a little better defensively, so it's just that it's just gonna come down the right. It's really gonna come down to a game seven. I I would love to see a game yeah. seven of this series. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so if it comes down to a game seven, who do you think comes away with the series win? Oh man, I'm taking the man with the Finals MVP. I'm yeah. taking the man with Finals experience. Okay. I'm taking Giannis, if, man. If it comes down to a Jason Tatum game Ooh. winner. Coming Ooh. down to him in the last seconds and Celtics. Nah, he got his game winner out of yeah. the way on KD. He, Give me Giannis. Yeah, Give I Giannis. mean, I'm giving him a new nickname. I'm, I'm calling him Mini Kobe. That's why. That's Mini. how he is. Wow. He's Mini Kobe. Wow. Man. You're gonna give a Boston Celtic. A Marcus. Yes, he's wow. mini Kobe for wow. real. Real that talk. Just seems like a little like NBA sacrilegious. Oh my god! You heard it here first. Wow. Marcus Anderson thinks that Jason Tatum is mini Kobe. A Boston for Celtic. Real, real a Boston, Boston Celtic is embodying mini Kobe. Real he is talk. embodying a Laker legend. Oh, Seriously, wow. he is really Kobe Bryant resurrected. Like real talk. That is a classic Marcus Anderson take wow. right there. <laughs> I don't even have a response to that. I really don't even have a response to that. Wow. All right, Marcus. You know, if that's what you think, we'll let you think Real that. Talk. Like, I'm scared of him when he gets the ball in his hands, man. <laughs> You're telling me out of, do you think that he is the mini Kobe? Or do you think that he is like. Nah, he's the mini Kobe. Like, there is nobody else that is closer to the way Kobe plays than Jason Tatum. Nah, he's mini Kobe. Like, he. He, I get scared of him when I'm picking against the Celtics when the ball is in his hands. Like he scores relentlessly, like at at unwilling pace. I mean, he's just he never misses. Like his jumper, everything. It's like Kobe Bryant resurrected. Like I said, wow. man, I'm scared when the ball is in his hands. 
<laughs> Matt's, same way, Matt's making a face over I'm there. Same way with Kobe Bryant. The, I'm scared when the ball is in his hands. The same way with Kobe Bryant, man. Same way with Jason Tatum. Wow. Kobe Bryant. <laughs> Man, you better hope he lives up to that one. <laughs> oh, my God. He's, he needs five rings for that. So, I mean, for Marcus's sake, give me Boston. Give me wow, Boston. Boston needs to win this chip for Marcus to have. Like, any, Marcus, any if Boston effort. loses this series, that will be one of the craziest takes I've oh, ever yeah. heard in my whole life. Yeah. And it will be from you, Marcus Anderson. Wow. That. The NFL widow. <laughs> We're going to move on forward. We got the Philadelphia 76ers and my Miami Heat. The Heat are currently leading the series 2-1. to one. What do you guys think on this series so far, and who do you think is going to come away with it? Because I have my opinion for sure. Oh, I got the Heat. Uh, uh, as much as Good I don't want to gas up the we Heat. We can agree. <laughs> as much as I don't want to gas up the Heat, they're going to win this series. I, I don't think Philly wins another game outside of Game 3. I mean, Embiid was, Embiid's defensive presence can't be understated, but offensively he's just not where he was James Harden just seems like he doesn't really care but if he does care he's not physically able to just become the player he used to be I think Philly's kind of just stuck in neutral in Miami they want to go to the Eastern Conference Finals yeah I mean Miami this is there's still to be known as a minor setback for them because they've been caught like multiple times this season that where they was caught by surprise. I mean it's normal for the Miami Heat mm-hmm. and they bounced back immediately from that. So oh, he culture yeah. baby, he culture. Yeah, Pat Riley definitely. I just want to point out to you, circling back. I I don't want to go backwards, but it was just pointed out to me, Marcus. You said that Jason Tatum never misses. Yes, Jason Tatum went four for nineteen yesterday. Well, and Giannis Ananakumpo had 42 points and was 16 for 30. And you're you're telling me you're more scared of Jason Tatum than Giannis. Well, I remember Kobe Bryant airballing three threes in one playoff game. Yeah. All right, Marcus. <laughs> Everybody oh has gosh. their bad days. We'll, <laughs> we'll bad stick with the You miss all the shots you don't take, and apparently you miss 15 of the shots you do take. So. Yeah. All right, Marcus. All right. Everybody has their we'll bad go days. back to the heat, though. I just had to, I just had to throw <laughs> that out there for you. So I do think the Heat are going to come away with this series as well. As everyone knows around here, I'm actually wearing my Heat basketball shirt right now. Yeah, you're one of the only Heat fans I've ever seen because when I watch their games, their stadium just seems empty. I I have noticed as of recently, our fans don't show up on time ever. Like, the first quarter, there is nobody in the stands ever. Okay, but like, if in defense of that, if I lived in Miami... I'm not going in. I'm not going to go sit inside and watch a basketball game. I'm going to the beach. And I'm, I feel I'm that. streaming the game on my phone. Like if I'm in Miami, yeah, catch catch me in the sand, drinking I, my hand, enjoying life. Watching I have been to a Miami Heat game in Miami, and I thought that the environment, like the arena, is so much bigger than than uh, Rocket Mortgage. It's so much bigger. I got lost in the arena just trying to find where I was, and. The environment, like it was, I went for Chris Bosch's jersey retirement, and there it was still like, oh man, kind of a amazing. kind of a mid environment. Like I was super, I'm a traveler, I'm super excited to be there. I'm a Heat fan that doesn't get to come that often, and I was like, this is cool. And then I was like, there's like nobody here, and it's a jersey retirement for a dude that won you two rings. It just didn't make sense to me, but yeah, I I would agree with you, Matt. I think our fans just don't really show up. Yeah, you're on the. Be- I can't blame him. Like, you're on the beach. Go to yeah. the be- go to the beach. <laughs> go to the beach. But they're the type of people that 
if they end up being in the finals, they'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah. we love the Heat. Go Heat. Even though they didn't show up to a single game all season. And then going off, you said the Heat Stadium was bigger than Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse? It felt bigger. Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse holds 300 more people. Really? Yes. According wow. to according to Google, well, actually, Interesting. Two, 296 more to be exact, if my quick math is Ooh. correct. It just felt like more open. I don't know how to explain well, it. Cause, but. Okay, I would okay because Florida it's humid, so you need airflow. I would I would assume it's probably a bigger venue, like venue, like, yeah, like, yeah, like seating's probably just for airflow. Actually, you're correct in that. The seating itself felt more like compressed and put together. Man, my grandma would be so proud. She wanted me to be an architect, and I'm talking like an architect now. There we go. <laughs> All right, we'll move forward into the next series. We have Suns versus Mavericks. The Suns are currently up two to one. Who do you guys see coming away with this series? Oh, the Suns. They're going to run away. Because of Devin Booker? Oh, yeah, definitely that. And also, Luca. I mean, he's a great, he's so great. So to where, but he can't do it all by himself. I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie, he all right, but. Yeah. What about Jalen Brunson? Brunson? Oh, yeah, he's all right. Brunson's he's all right the, like, the definition of like a role player in the playoffs where you can only count on them in home games. Yeah, definitely. Like, because. I I just don't get what the psychology behind role players is, but you know, like on, if if you're playing on the road and your role players get you 15 plus, that's considered a great game for them. All of a sudden, you give them a home game and they can drop something in the high 20s, and you're like, where where'd this come from? So, I, Luca needs more firepower. I think Phoenix Phoenix is taking advantage of Luca defensively. If you can give Luca another offensive spark, so he's not exerting all his energy on the offensive side of the ball, I think the Mavericks could be much improved next season, but yeah. the Suns are going to make do with them quickly. Yeah, well, he did drop 45 in game one and 28 in game two, so it's just like he probably just needs like another slasher by his side. Yeah, that'd, that'd be nice. Get, get Luca some help. Get Luca Lucas does need some help. help. Yeah, Mark Cuban, get him some help. Mark, you can't do the Dirk approach yeah. with every star player you get. Spend money, get Luka Doncic some help. And go win a ring, because Luka can. Luka can. I think, I do think the Suns are coming away with this as well. I think Luka ends up being gassed, and you're right. They just don't, there's nothing that really screams awesome about me to the Mavericks, other than Luka. And I know I'm going to get, I'm going to get flack for that, but, because Jeff, Jeff Longville is a big Luca fan. Oh, I know he's listening. Like, I'm, a, I'm a big Luca boy too, but you can acknowledge that Luca Doncic is great, but he can't do it all without any yeah. help. Like, oh, man, it doesn't right. So. He just can't. He is mortal. <laughs> so next series we got, obviously last night, Warriors versus Grizzlies. The Warriors are now up two to one, and John Morant came away with a little bit of an injury. Um, what do you guys think about this series and? Do you think that the John Morant injury ends up being serious? I'm not a doctor. I don't want to speculate on knee injuries because I know those things can differ like by a wide margin. I think I don't think you can take the risk of injuring John Morant further if it's something that could get worse. Yeah, definitely. He's he's your best player. You need him on the court, but at the same time, you're not getting through Golden State. These guys are so experienced. I mean, they've like we're forgetting they made five straight finals runs. They missed the playoffs what last year or the year before that, and everyone kind of just forgot about them. These guys have experience, and experience is the best thing you can have in a in a playoff run. 
And definitely, I mean, for John Morant, I agree. I mean, this is a career decision move. I suggest, like, sit out. But maybe if you really want to take away this series, but also think about, like, you coming in that hole and you know how Draymond Green is and you want to take that in consideration. But it's just like the Grizzlies, I thought the Grizzlies were going to take this series. I mean, just because they had the size advantage and they're much and they're a more physical team than the Warriors, but the Warriors have experience, like Matt said. They got experience, and that's why they're here, and that's why they're my Western Conference pick to go to the finals. Ooh. Really? Yes. Oh, man. Last week, I predicted Golden State in five, and that take seems to be aging like a fine wine, so I'm <laughs> proud of that. We're not going to talk about where I predicted the Heat to sweep the Sixers, though, but one of my takes is right. Do you guys think that Jordan Poole's play was intentional on Ja, or do you think it was dirty, or as Steve Kerr referred to it as, do you think that Jordan Poole broke the code? Oh, that, that tweet was kind of funny, but at the same time, like, Steve Kerr has the right to be outraged. Like, at the same time, you coach five teams that go to the finals and you win three rings. You can talk like that. I don't think the play was intentionally dirty. I think, like, playoff basketball has its own type of physicality. But I, I don't think Jordan Poole went out there and said, let me, go, like, I'm going to go for his knee. Right. I don't think mm-hmm. he's, I don't think he told himself that. What do you think, Marcus? Yeah, I don't think he, it's just physical play. I think so as well. I think that with the whole with the whole Gary Payton thing, mm. I think that anything that like that that happens from here on out is going to be blown very yeah. out of proportion. Oh, very much yeah, so. and besides that, that's why some his dad would have done back in the day. Right, his dad used to be like yeah. that back in the day. Right. No, yeah. People always like like the, the, the <clears throat> Gary Payton incident. People always say like bring like basketball was more physical back in the day. Well, that was a back in the day type play, and now Gary Payton Jr.'s elbow is facing the wrong direction. So maybe yeah. we sh- maybe it's not a bad thing that the game is getting a little bit less physical. Maybe we shouldn't just randomly take players out midair. Just an idea. If the John Moran injury ends up becoming serious, do you think that the Grizzlies are essentially out of this series? Without a doubt. Yeah. You know, I mean, unfortunately, yes. I know, like, I know they had some like un- uncanny stat with like with like their record without Ja Morant. The regular season was like absolutely absurd. But playoff basketball is different than regular season yeah, basketball. Definitely. It is like like it's basically a different sport. It's a different sport, different yeah. mindset, different zone. Because you're playing for something. Yeah, that's exactly, that's the tell. Yeah. That's the tell of two seasons right there. The postseason breaks out the best of everyone. Oh yeah. So we're going to go back through each series, preview the upcoming games. Tonight we have, at 8 o'clock, we have the Heat and 76ers in Philadelphia. It'll be game four of that series. Who do you guys got tonight and why? I will take the Heat in a bounce-back performance. I think they you know, they got game film on Joel Embiid. They can scout. They can adjust. And I think Miami Heat's defense, Bam Adebayo, get some Jimmy Butler on either Maxie or Harden and just... Take them away and then just cook on offense. Yep, game, yep. Game three was just a smell of coffee for the Miami Heat, and they'll just bounce back here as the Sixers. They're they're just a catch up mode right now. Right. So they try and gain momentum, and I guess they're far from that. So I think the Miami Heat will win this and come away with the series. In a game, as Marcus was saying, game three is always a desperation game. By the if your team is down 0-2, like game three is do or die. So like. 
you come out game three, that basically your season is on the line. After that, I mean, like, I think, you know, the uh, adrenaline's going to wear off and they might be a bit winded because they only had one, they only had one travel day in between Miami and Philly. And now they had only, they've only had four days off the entire series. So I think fatigue's going to be catching up to Philadelphia here. And I think, like you said, in game three, I don't think they really knew what to expect from Joel Embiid coming back from injury, and I just don't think they prepared the correct way. Now they know that his injury is not going to affect him that much. They'll watch the film, and they'll be able to probably play a little better on him, and Adebayo will bounce back from that game as well. Mm -hmm. I think Adebayo is a huge piece for the Heat, obviously, and I think he's the only guy that should be defending Joel Embiid. Fair enough. Moving forward. Suns Mavericks tonight as well, or today, I apologize, 3.30 on ESPN. That one is going to be in Dallas. What are your thoughts heading into this game? They're putting the West Coast game on first? They are. It's 3.30 p.m. Oh, okay. okay. Interesting, but yes. Hey, you know, I, I, hey, I'm not, I get to watch Luka Magic fully awake today. Yeah. I, I want to see, I'm, I would love to see a Luka Doncic just performance of the ages. I I, I think Phoenix is going to give them a run for their money here. I hope Dallas can hold off just so we get another game of Luka versus Devin Booker because I love this series so much. It is a good series. It's so entertaining in terms of, like, uh, like guard play and just, oh, my God. Like, can't express how much I love this series enough. So for just ba- my basketball-loving sake, I want Dallas to win today. I think they can hold off Phoenix late, and I'll take Dallas in a close one. Yeah, I would say Dallas. I mean, American Airlines Center is has been one recently one of the hardest places to win at. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, their fans show up. I'm like the yes, definitely, definitely, <laughs> yes. And then Luca, that Luca Magic, like Matt said, that Luca Magic, and he could come away and try to tie their series at two, too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next up, we have Celtics. These games will be on Monday. <laughs> Monday at 7.30 p.m. on TNT, we have Celtics-Bucks in Milwaukee with Milwaukee leading 2-1. to one. Obviously, we have mini Kobe Bryant playing in that game. So, Mini Kobe. What are your takes on this upcoming game? Who do you think com- you, comes away with this one? I go, you, you dubbed him the second coming to no. Kobe. I'll let you go first. <laughs> yeah, go right ahead, Mr. I Mr. mean, Anderson. like I said, this, this is the one series I've been thinking longer, hard about, and... I think Jason Tatum, or mini Kobe, I should oh, say, man. Kobe Bryant resurrected. Jason Bryant. <laughs> Jason Bryant. That's yeah. Me. Yep. <laughs> is going to bounce back. That's and the Celtics tied their series. Oh, man. I'm excited for this series, too. I <clears throat> Just such firepower from each side. I just want to say one thing about watching Giannis Antetokounmpo, it's making me reflect as a fan of, like, just I'm a Cavs fan. Just looking back at like LeBron James, when I watched LeBron's historic playoff runs, I didn't get to appreciate what they were, just because like I had rooting interest and I wanted a championship out of it, and I couldn't really reflect. But just watching Giannis Antetokounmpo play basketball as just a neutral spectator and all this, it is my favorite thing in the world. Such like he had 42 points yesterday, or was that Friday? I think I think it was yesterday. I think it was, it was yesterday. yesterday. Yeah. He had 42 yet. Like, oh, my God. Like, it was yesterday. Yeah, You're just, right. I, I, I want to see the series go to seven, but at the same time, I, I think I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to put money against Giannis Antetokounmpo. Give me the Bucks in a convincing double-digit win tomorrow. Okay. Okay. 
I'm also going to go with the Bucks. I think that the the Jason Tatum comment is crazy. I think I'd be way more scared of Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think that the Bucks will go up three to one in this series, and I think it will be a big blowout win with Giannis having another big 30-40 point game. Oh boy! Okay. <laughs> just just out of spite for Marcus's <laughs> comment is the reason well, I make watch that. Watch like watch us drag Marcus's take, but like Tatum comes out with like fifty five. Marcus, I He's promise like you, eighteen of twenty one from the field. I promise you, if Jason Tatum goes off in that game, I'll apologize. I will. <laughs> You'll see. You'll see. We'll formally apologize. We'll put a tweet on. We'll, we'll put a tweet on the sports. I will on Twitter. all of my social media platforms apologize to you. At, same goes. Same goes here. Same goes here. <laughs> I don't know if it's me wearing a Patriots jersey, but oh, I'm, I'm real talking. I can't even climb your Patriots jersey. That's a nice one. Is that Ty Law? Ty Law. Oh, Ty You already know about the Ty Law. Nice. And the last series we have to preview the upcoming game Monday. 10 o'clock p.m., Grizzlies versus Warriors in Golden State with the Warriors up 2-1. to one. Let me ask the question this way. Who do you think comes away with this game with John Morant playing, or if he ends up not playing, does that change the outcome of this game? Either or, I say the Golden State still wins this. I'm with, Marcus on, I'm with Marcus on that all the way. Golden State in five, baby. Yeah. Okay. And... How much of a difference, if John Moran is out, how much of a difference does that make in the score of that game? Ooh. Big, big difference. Ooh. Big I mean, difference. They lo- I mean, they have- like Matt said, the stats <laughs> say that the statistically the Grizzlies are better without John Moran on the floor. I mean, which, like you said, different game in the playoffs, but in the regular season, statistically the Grizzlies are better without John Moran on hey, the floor. Hey, just to play devil's advocate, they had John Moran until late in the fourth quarter last night, and they still lost by 30 and allowed 142 points. Yeah. Good point. Oh, man. If they win without Ja Morant, can we just start pushing, like, this complete narrative that, like, they're better without Ja Morant? Like, <laughs> oh, that's right. Ja you know the media will. It's like Baker and Odell. Like, are the Browns better without Odell? Right. Are the Grizzlies better without Ja Morant? Oh, right. That's hard to say. Oh. I so love speculating. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's all we have for previewing the playoffs so far we're going to move into some nba headlines as we get close to our break we'll start off with some headlines and then continue them after the break but i'm going to start with this one dylan brooks taking out gary payton the second he was suspended for game three what is your opinion on if that play was dirty and did he as steve kerr alluded to did he break a code an unwritten code that nba players have i'll start with you matt what do you think about that play I don't think it was a dirty play because I don't think like when you're in the heat of the moment, you don't have enough time to process. Yeah, I'm gonna go. T- I'm gonna go break this guy's arm. Like you don't process that. But it, like in in basketball, in close games, you d- you shouldn't allow layups. Like I, I like I was terrible at basketball, but I still played in a few church leagues. And in church league basketball, we still knew if it was a close game, don't give up layups. Foul them. Right. Earn it from the line. Like you learn like. You're not supposed to give up layups, especially in the NBA playoffs. Dylan Brooks, I mean, like, yeah, he, he went to go set the tone. He went to set the tone, and unfortunately, Gary Payton's arm is now in the opposite direction. Yep. So, I mean, I think, it, look at that play. He was clearly trying to go for the ball. He was clearly trying to go for the block. I mean, if he were if he were had arms like Kevin Durant, he probably would have blocked that shot, right. blocked that layup. Just awkward layup. But it happens to, like, just... just 
slam his head like his head and just trying to go after the ball. So it was it was nothing intentional about the, about that. So I would agree. I don't think it was intentional. Um, I think that it's unfortunate for Gary Payton, obviously. Like oh, you yeah, said, his arm is in the other direction. Without and, a doubt. Oh, and if yeah. I was in Gary Payton's position, I probably would look at it as a dirty play as well. But from an outsider's perspective, I just think that's the physicality of the playoffs. And it wasn't – he wasn't trying to do that intentionally. I thought Steve Kerr's comments were kind of uncalled for about the breaking the code and everything like that. But – yeah, I don't think it was dirty. What did you guys think about Steve Kerr's comments about some unwritten code that NBA players have? Do you think that's true, and do you think that Dylan Brooks knew about that? You know, going off what I said a bit earlier, like Steve Kerr's earned the right to complain. Like when you have just the resume he has as both a player and a coach, you're allowed to give the refs and some opposing players some heat for their actions. I would love to see the code he's talking about because I guarantee you, like when he was on those Bulls teams, they probably did something that quote unquote broke the code. But like, I understand where he's frustrated because you know Gary Payton was just coming into his own with Golden State, and especially just right after the game, you still have all the adrenaline from it. You still really can't make a make clear, comprehensive thoughts because you're still caught up in the moment. But yeah, I I, I am not a fan of Kerr's comments, but he's earned the right. To say them, yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know about him saying this. Uh, he broke the code. I mean, from him being a player from the handshake era. I mean, where when players was able to do whatever they want inside the pay and whatever. So I don't. So I'm. So I don't know why he wouldn't understand of that being just just a good play, just a, just good minded for him to go after and try to go after that block shot. So I don't know why he'll... So this was just an overreaction by Steve Kerr. The heat of the moment type thing. I think so as well. I think coming out of that game, and he just lost one of his key players due to an injury, I, I would have said some of the same things as well. I'm sure there are some unwritten codes that players just know and don't do things, but I don't think anything about that was intentional by Dylan Brooks, and I would agree that I think it was a heat of the moment type thing from Steve Kerr to make those comments about the code. Before we head into break, the last question I'm going to pose is the Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell turmoil. I heard from Bleacher Report that the Raptors would be interested in Gobert. If you're the Utah Jazz, would you rather part with Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert and why? From From a trade standpoint and what I would get in return, I'm getting rid of Donovan Mitchell. You would like a Donovan Mitchell trade package, especially in the league, how it's so guard dominant. It would be stupid to turn that down and trade a defensive big like that. That doesn't make sense to me. You could get several lottery picks and a deep like in a decent a decent role player in return for Mitchell right then and there. Like I'm thinking, what came to my mind just hypothetically was like some like Cavs trades I've seen for Donovan Mitchell, where you give him like three firsts and Colin Sexton like. You're not get you're not getting anything close to that with Rudy. I mean, I would say like uh, I would say Rudy Gobert would be the most likely to get traded because it seemed like over the years he he's been like a frustration to the franchise, and then also with Donovan Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell is means more to the team than than uh, Rudy Gobert, even though he is two, the two time Defensive Player of the Year for that team, two time Defensive Player of the Year, he means more to that team defensively, but. With Donovan Mitchell and without 
Rudy Gobert, they're still a playoff team. They still like a sub a sub forty a sub five hundred team with Donovan Mitchell more than just with Rudy Gobert and without Donovan Mitchell. Mm-hmm. All right, and that's going to take us into our break. When we come back, much more NBA talk as well as a little bit more on the Rudy Gobert subject. Stick with us right here on Z eighty eight. everyone we are back here on spt once again i am your host logan congram and joining me is matt permuka how we doing everyone happy mother's day and marcus anderson back at it hi mom absolutely happy mother's day to all of the mothers out there listening to our show we appreciate you and everything that you do yes we do sticking with the nba we're going to go back to the rudy gobert subject that we were on before break The main team that is supposedly interested in Gobert is the Toronto Raptors. I saw this report on Bleacher Report that the Raptors would have a high trade interest in Gobert. If the Raptors were to make a deal for Rudy Gobert, what do you think they'd give up? And do you think that he's a good fit for the Raptors? Oh, he'll be a perfect fit for the Raptors. I don't know what they'll give up for him, but I know he'll be a big bargaining price. Big price for and he's a center though, but it's like but in the Eastern Conference, it's so stacked right now. You need to do whatever you can to remain competitive. I don't know what they'd have to give. I would would you guys put Siakam in a Rudy Gobert trade, especially with Scotty Barnes coming on? Like, would you yes. give up Pascal Siakam? Oh yeah, yes. that'll be a that'll be a total upgrade. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just trying to get it. Like, I, I'm really not sure what they'd have to give up, and I'm. <laughs> Ask Kelsey likely, I guess. Like you alluded to, I feel like the Jazz are looking for something big, whether it's Donovan Mitchell or Gobert. They're, it's going to be a high asking price no matter what. Like you oh, said man. about Donovan Mitchell, the mock trades with the Cavs. Like, if the Cavs were to make that tra- that trade, I'd be frustrated because that's a huge haul for Mitchell. No. And I feel like with all the defensive player of the years that Gobert has, he's going to be. they're going to be looking for the same thing for Gobert. So knowing the Raptors... Other than Siakam, which Siakam's a, he's a pretty big good player. Number. Yeah, he's yeah, very good. I I just think, I think he'd be a good fit for the Raptors, but I think the trade would be difficult for the Raptors to go through. Yeah, with. definitely. I mean, this is a trade that could definitely make Raptors a real contender, and with Nick Nurse being one of the best heck, we being one of the best coaches in all the in all the NBA. Do you think that Nick Nurse sticks around? Uh, there's rumors that he was. There were teams that were trying to get him to go elsewhere. Maybe the Lakers. Do you think Nick Nurse sticks around with the Raptors? Oh, no, nah, he sticks around. He does build a winning foundation in, in Toronto. I, I I don't know why you'd want to leave something that you've already you're established in Toronto. Like you you want a ring, you'll not you'll never have to buy a drink there again. And then I don't know why you'd want to leave to go play with a team like as you alluded to, like the Lakers, and just given their current, uh, we'll call it a mess. We'll be nice. We'll say it's a mess. The Lakers are quite the mess, and we will get to that shortly. Next up, I've I've been thinking about this for the last couple of days, so I figured I'd pose the question to you guys. Do you guys think that James Harden is still a max contract player? Not at all. Not not, at not all. anymore. Now, after this, not anymore. What's the current max? Because I saw I, I've seen numbers anywhere from like high forties to even like in the sixty million dollar range. Like, what would a Harden max look like? Like star player, front of a team. Well, I I know, but like money wise, like what would the number be on that contract per year? Like, would it like 
40, 50 maybe? 40, 50. If, if it's in the 40s, I'd, oh, man, I'd even have a hard time saying yes to a low end. I, I, I think he's just past his prime. I think when he got fat in Houston because he didn't want to play, and then in, in Brooklyn when he messed up his hamstrings in the, like, the last year's playoffs, I think that kind of spelled the end for the James Harden that we knew. And I think we're he, he's kind of he's going to have to do a quick shift in his philosophy if he wants to continue to play in the league on contenders. What do you think, Marcus? Oh yeah, definitely. I, I don't think he's he's a max contract player anymore after this season. I mean, it's it's more like these teams are living to the living to the crow, living to the mentality. What have you done for me lately? Right. I don't care yeah. what you what you were and what you did like um seven years ago. It's all about what you have what have you done for me lately and what will you do for me lately. Absolutely. No, and Harden, like so you guys remember like when they first had the trade, Harden was in line to kept pick up his max contract. He didn't file the paperwork in on time when he got traded to Philly. And so like now that's why he's a free agent after this year because he didn't sign himself into his max for next year. So now he's a free agent this summer, I believe, or at least next summer. Is if, that how that went? If he, yeah, yeah, you got it. Okay. If he were to depart from Philly, do you think that any team would really be interested in giving him that kind of money? Yeah. I don't see him leaving Philly, to be honest with you. I mean, someone world desperate. Some, <laughs> some teams need to sell out seats. And you yeah. can sell seats right, by yeah. marketing players. Yeah, someone like the Pacers or the Kings. Someone real desperate. Would Washington? <laughs> I, I feel like wa- Washington loves to overpay for guards. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> James Harden definitely. could be a wizard. Absolutely. Mike, next Michael Jordan and not not actually the next Michael Jordan. I'm talking Wizards, Wizards Michael Jordan. <laughs> Wizards Michael Jordan. The day after that was West, Russell Westbrook. <laughs> Russell, I forgot he was, forgot he was on the Wizards. Oh <laughs> Russell Westbrook. Gosh, he was number four that year, too. He just looks so odd in Washington. Uh. That actually transitions me into the next question I have for you guys. Um, Russell Westbrook, who had one of his most off seasons that he's had in his whole career, they, the, they, the Lakers, they fired Frank Vogel and... Reports are saying that Frank Vogel was fired due to his handling of how he integrated Russell Westbrook to his system. Do you think that Frank Vogel was the issue? I'll start with you, Matt. Do you think Vogel was a major issue, or do you think that Russell Westbrook just truly does not fit with this franchise? Now, looking back to when Vogel was even hired, like I, he wasn't even their first choice. I think originally, like they, like no one wanted to coach like a LeBron team, and you know Vogel took a lot of heat that he ne- might not necessarily have deserved. As far as the Russell Westbrook thing goes, that's a full LeBron move. You know, the GM, as like he's been dubbed on Twitter, this is the GM's worst, worst decision he's ever made because he he decided to bring in three ball dominant superstars, including himself, and none of them can work off the ball. And Russell, like Russell Westbrook, is just if. I don't know how to phrase. I'm not comparing him, but like if LeBron was a point guard and like six three, because like Westbrook can't shoot. Westbrook is a slasher that needs outside shooting, and so does LeBron. LeBron needs outside shooting to be good, and Anthony Davis needs outside shooting to be the most effective. But when you play three of those guys on the court at once, you don't really have room for outside shooting because everyone's in the paint. I, I just this this was a lose lose from the very beginning. Russell Westbrook and Frank Vogel have taken 
too much heat for this, I think, but just a, just a bit too much. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you should have fired Frank Vogel for this. I mean, been one the long uh, for a long time, been one of the most um, uh, Coptic coaches in the league. I mean, I don't blame. I should blame him for what Russell Westbrook performance has been. I mean, I'm blaming you for signing the guy, for trading for the guy. I mean, look at his past and look at the success he had. I mean, he should have known better, honestly. I think the way that that season panned out for the Lakers is entirely on LeBron James and not on the front office. I'd I'd agree to some extent. I think a lot of LeBron, like LeBron's big three teams. All right, so let's look at him in Miami, Cleveland, and now L.A. There's always that third guy he brings. It's always the last star he brings in that takes a lot of, like, the scapegoating. Like, I think of, like... Think of Chris Bosh in Miami. Like when Miami Heat, like when the Heat were struggling in LeBron's early years, it's like, oh, it's because Chris. Bo- look at Chris Bosh's decline in numbers. And then when it was, uh, it was Kevin Love in Cleveland. You know, Kev- like Kevin Love's a shell of himself. The Cavs lost that trade with Wig, like the Wiggins trade. And now Russell Westbrook is the latest victim of it. But what Russell, what's what differs Russell Westbrook from those other guys outside of him being a guard as opposed to a forward? Russell Westbrook was already one of the most polarizing players in the league. So I think that's what made like that's what dumped gasoline on this fire. What do you think, Marcus? Oh yeah, I th- I definitely say I definitely agree. Yeah, I say LeBron takes too much uh, control of each team he goes to. I mean, you need to know your plays, need to know your role. I mean, I know you're the great. I know you're the face of the league, but it shouldn't even matter. I mean, you're still a player. I mean. Leave up to the office. Like, Absolutely, I'm scared to see what LeBron does. Like when he retires and takes like a front office role as a GM or an owner, because like look at how he left the Cavs in 2018, <clears throat> and like look at how how he's going to leave the Lakers when he in- inevitably retires. Yeah. Like, the Lakers will be in shambles when he's gone. Like that team, like like you, you guys have you guys seen the meme where it's like that starting lineup between like the Lakers and the Knicks, but it's like a bunch of guys like nobody <laughs> knows. Like, that's, yes. what, that's what that team's gonna. It's gonna yeah. be the entire G League team. Playing against NBA competition and that Lakers team might win nineteen. I mean, games. he did buy the the Red Sox two years ago. So, yeah. Yeah. I forgot he was a minority owner for them. He's got LeBron has a lot of teams that he follows, kind of like you, Marcus. <laughs> a lot of teams. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's going to bring us to around the Roo. This has a lot to do with the Los Angeles Lakers, so this is a good time to bring it through. Our around last week on around the Roo. We asked you if which AFC North team had the best draft, and 39.5% of you picked the Pittsburgh Steelers. Before we pose the new question, do you agree with the public on the Pittsburgh Steelers having the best NFL draft? I said last week outside of the first round, I liked Pittsburgh's draft, but I loved Baltimore's. I, I don't think an AFC North team had a bad draft, but if I had to pick the best, it certainly isn't uh, the Kenny Pickett-led Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, I would say Baltimore, but I would say Baltimore. I would say that Cal Hamilton draft, that draft pick of Cal Hamilton, I don't think it was necessary because they already had, like, they already signed Marcus Williams and still had, like, uh, still had Elam and still had um, Deshaun Elliott on the roster. I mean, you so that just, that just gives your safety depth, to, like, overloaded pretty much. I don't think that pick was necessary, but, like, the, but, like, the Lindstrom pick, the center out Iowa, I mean, that was a great pick for them. But also, it does a benefit for them, like, not drafting any receivers at all. And 
once again, not having any targets for not having that number one guy for Lamar Jackson. But I would say that they had the best draft out of all the AFC North teams. I would disagree with the public. I'd go with Marcus, which doesn't happen a lot. Glad we agree, Marcus. I would go with the Ravens as well, having the best NFL draft. But now, for this week's Around the Rue question, which will be posted on our Twitter account at WZIP Sports directly following the show. So make sure you go check that out and vote on the poll. This week's Around the Rue question is going to be the Mark Jackson sweepstakes. Who will be the best fit to hire Mark Jackson? Right now, according to reports, the Kings... Front, are the front runner over the Los Angeles Lakers. He has also interviewed with the Atlanta Hawks. I'll start with you, Marcus. Who do you think is the best fit to hire NBA analyst and former Golden State Warriors head coach Mark Jackson? All right, I would say it will be the Pacers. His former alma mater, the wow. team he used to play Ooh, for. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, the, I remember the Pacers used to be for a long time. Whether they was good or bad, one of the most competitive teams in the NBA, whether they was good or bad, like I said. Mm-hmm. And I think they could be even more a, cont- a contending team if Mark Jackson goes there. How about you, Matt? Well, see, I didn't know Atlanta was in the running, but after hearing Atlanta, I'm going to completely change my answer. Mark Jackson, I think, would be a perfect fit with Trey Young because I'm looking back at how uh, Mark Jackson handled Steph Curry when uh, Curry was in his infancy in the league. And, you know, Trey Young resembles Curry in a lot of fashions in terms of play style. And I just think you, if you want someone that's going to put an absurd amount of trust in your young franchise player, that's a guard that doesn't really fit the conventional norm. Mark Jackson's your perfect guy. Mark Jackson's very forward thinking. He's very smart and strategic with his roster moves. I think Mark Jackson in Atlanta would be an out-of-the-park yeah. hire. I don't know why he got fired in the first place. <laughs> I never really understood that either. Yeah, he really put the Warriors back on the map. He was the one put Matt, He was the one that brought him back to the playoffs for the first time since, like, seven years. And, yet, and he had to call all their finals games. Like, yeah. He, like that must have hurt him in some capacity. That had to hurt because it's like, I built this, but someone else is getting my rings. Like, uh, mm, I couldn't. I, I remember when Mark Jackson was fired. I remember the, the general consensus was why. It didn't make sense. It obviously worked out for the Warriors. They must have known something that we didn't. But I don't think that is a testament to Mark Jackson. I think Mark Jackson is a fantastic coach. Oh, definitely. It needs- uh, definitely. He's probably enjoyed his time as an announcer a lot less of a workload. It's a probably a nice, a nice chunk of change too. But like, man, he 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 should be coaching. He should be on the bench right now. He is a great coach. So, if he were to be hired by the Los Angeles Lakers, who have been the rumor for a while, do you think that he fits in with Los Angeles if that's the team he ends up with? And how does he work with a guy like LeBron James? Because it seems like to me. Any coach that has real coaching abilities never works with LeBron. Like, Ty Lue is a great coach, don't get me wrong, but I think of Ty Lue as kind of a puppet when LeBron was leading the Cavaliers. He was I think that LeBron has always wanted to be in charge of his team, regardless of who is the hired head coach. <laughs> and I think it conflicts when a guy like Mark Jackson or even Frank Vogel comes in and they have real philosophies about coaching, and LeBron's just like, nah, I'm not doing that. No, I agree with you. I, I want to... Bite back a little bit. You said, like, I agree Ty Lue was a puppet when he was with LeBron in Cleveland, but, like, Ty Lue's emerged on his, like... Definitely. As, like, okay. 
But, you know, going off of, like, LeBron's always had a puppet. Like, he pulled David Blatt out of the Israeli Basketball League, and suddenly David Blatt was coaching NBA Finals games, and LeBron, like, LeBron was just, pl- like, he was LeBron's puppet. Definitely. He was LeBron's puppet. David Blatt was brought in because he was not going to do any real coaching. No, he was from the Israeli Basketball <laughs> right. League. They didn't even hire an assistant coach, a college coach, a college assistant coach. They went to Israel. <laughs> to and it coach. did not work out. <laughs> and he got fired. I, w- I, was, I, w- I, went to the, I went to the game the day he got fired. It was Ty Lue's first coaching game. I was there for that. I was there for okay. Ty Lue's fo- first game as Cavs coach. What do you think, Marcus? Do you think that... Mark Jackson would fit in with Los Angeles. How do you think he would merge with LeBron James, the entity of LeBron James? I mean, with him being a former player himself, I think, I think he would. I think he would put try to put LeBron, put LeBron in his place. But yeah, he'll go go anywhere though. He's that great of a coach. I think that the Lakers need to find a guy that is able to, I don't want to say stand up, but stand up to LeBron and say, hey, man, I'm the head coach. You're not the GM. You're not the coach. If you don't like it, then sit on the bench. Like Go back to Cleveland. Go away. Yeah. Go back to LeBron. Come on back. There has to Come be a back. guy out there that is able to do that for LeBron. Or if they're going to go, if the Lakers are really all in, which it doesn't seem like they are. I actually heard that the there's like a rift between LeBron and and the front office because they also blame LeBron for the way that their team came out this year. But if the Lakers front office is going to want to stick with the idea of whatever LeBron says goes, I don't think Mark Jackson is their guy. And for Mark Jackson's sake, I hope he goes somewhere else. I want to see Mark Jackson succeed, and I think the Lakers would be terrible for him because he's (laughs) he's very good with young players and developing players. I don't think you could give There's Mark. I don't think you could, I don't think you can give Mark Jackson the 2015 All Star team in 2022, 2023, and expect him to expect it to work out. <laughs> here you go, no chance. Here's here's Anthony Davis has about the same hip. Anthony Davis's hips are about the same as Mark Jackson's at this point, and Mark Jackson is significantly older. LeBron James is on his way out, and Russell Westbrook just doesn't know what he's doing. Absolutely. Yeah. That will be up on our Twitter account directly after the show. Once again, at WZIP Sports. Question is, who will be the best fit to hire Mark Jackson? There will be four options. Make your pick, and we'll review it to you back next week on Sports Power Talk. But sticking with the Los Angeles Lakers again, Kyrie Irving's impending free agency. Bleacher Report reported that the Lakers have internally discussed the possibility of signing Kyrie Irving. Do you guys see Kyrie leaving Brooklyn? And if he does, would the Lakers be a possibility? I want chaos. I would love to see that. This would be like, oh my God, this would be like every reality show mixed into one. (laughs) This would be awesome. This This would be worse than watching the Kardashians. (laughs) (laughs) The Kardashians live in L.A., man. You just say say the words and they'll, they'll be a part of this. I personally do not think that Kyrie Irving leaves Brooklyn, but... I would love to see Kyrie and LeBron on that team and see what it does to Russell Westbrook if they hang on to him. Because I don't think Russell Westbrook sticks around on this team if they were to make a run at Kyrie. But if on the off chance he did, that could make it very, very interesting. Oh, yeah. And Kyrie is just an interesting dude already. Oh, yeah. Just the way he is is just interesting. I think Kyrie's career is a bit of like a cautionary tale for like young people because Kyrie was abnormally successful like early on in his career. Like by his fifth year, 
he was a perennial all star and a you know NBA champion. And so you know he thought he was the he, he thought he was the big fish in the big pond or in the small right. pond. And then you know he goes elsewhere and he kind of falls flat on his face. And like I don't think he's really made good relationship good relationships with people around the league. So I mean like. If Kyrie were to, if Kyrie is going to test the waters in free agency, I don't know how many people would necessarily go all in for him. What do you think, Marcus? Yeah, I, I think that would be great to see. Yeah, you'd want to see Kyrie on the Lakers. Oh yeah, definitely. That would be so great. That would be like that would be like the Cleveland Cavaliers twenty from twenty sixteen all over again. Okay, so which one would throw soup at Mark Jackson, assuming he's the coach? <laughs> which one would throw a bowl of soup oh, at Mark? Man. Which which one would golf without their shirt on at the Elite LA oh, Country? Ain't having it, man. As I've talked about on this show before, I'm not a huge Kyrie fan. I didn't really like the way that he left Cleveland, but I, I would I'd enjoy seeing some chaos in in Los Angeles, and I think that. I'd like to see LeBron and Kyrie on another team. I'd feel very bad for Kevin Love because, nah, he's still in Cleveland. Although, I think Cleveland has a pretty bright future right now. Hopefully. But speaking of Kevin Love, Kevin Love posted a very long season reflection on his Instagram detailing everything about his 14th year in the league and detailing things about the sixth man of the year. Do you guys think that Kevin Love was snubbed for the sixth man of the year? No. no. I I don't know. Why why do you think do you think that Tyler Hero was the correct pick? I, I know you just want me to gas up the heat right now. Yes. No, I'm I'm seriously interested. No, no, Tyler Hero was the sixth man. There you go. Here's your Miami Heat compliment for this hour. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll say. Good job, Tyler Tyler Hero, good basketball player. There we go. But uh, uh Kevin Love I was glad to see him kind of turn it around. I mean, he went from like I was like, was it 2019 or the 2020 season where he was basically just having meltdowns with Colin Sexton on the court, like, and he was basically just having adult temper tantrums, to really just you know just self reflecting and just taking on a completely different role as opposed to what he was used to in his career. So I got to give him respect to that because it's it's hard to change, especially knowing all of his accomplishments in the league and, you know, just how he accepted his modified role. Absolutely. What do you think, Marcus? Yeah, I don't don't think Kevin Love deserved it. I think Tyler Hero deserved it. Everybody he got. So, yeah, he's been very productive for the Heat. So, yeah, definitely. In Kevin Love's reflection post, he detailed that after the most frustrating injury of my career during the 2021 season and an exit from USA Basketball in the summer due to not feeling fully healed and in shape, many people said I was done. Some even went as far as to say Love should soon consider retirement. This even came this even came from some I thought I respected into my face and behind my back. I never let that commentary shake my belief system. Do you think that Kevin Love exceeded his expectations this season? Yes, because yeah. he had none. Like, we, like I, I remember going into this season, I thought he was going to be traded, and I thought like because just based on just his actions, he was his meltdowns with Colin Saxon on the court. Like it didn't look like he had a future here, and the USA basketball thing looked like it was the nail in the coffin. Like I remember September, you know, when I was you know not focusing on the Browns, I'm like, what could we get from Kevin Love? Yeah, definitely. He, I felt like he turned to Lazarus this season. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I think. Uh, the general consensus was that the Cavs should do away with Kevin Love. At yeah. the start of the season, everybody, at least at our station, was saying, why is he still on our roster? What is he doing for us? And I think he turned out to be one of the reasons that the Cavs had such a good season. I think that he 
he brings the veteran presence that our young guys need, which mm-hmm. is something that we had been lacking with him out. Yeah, they call him Uncle Kev. Absolutely. Well, Grandpa Kev. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think that the – speaking of the Cavaliers, actually, as we're heading into the closing of our show – do you think that the Cavaliers will improve, decline, or repeat their play-in result next season? Improve. Colin Sexton is coming back. And you think it. the Cavs hang on to Colin Sexton? Oh, yeah. Mm, it'll, be a, it'll be a dumb idea if they did. Like him and Derek Scarlin, like I guarantee you, they'll be the most dangerous backcourt duel in all of the NBA. Now, the Cavs had 44 wins this yeah. season. I think next year they're probably going to stay in the mid-40s. And some of us are going to look at that as a disappointment because we had such expectations. We have expectations for them. So I think they're going to be relatively the same. I think so as well. I think the Cavs will be relatively the same. And we're getting ready to close out our show. Matt, Marcus, any final thoughts? Get, get rid of the play-in tournament. Okay. 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 Um, Why? I, I what makes it. you say that? Because they definitely finished with a better record than the Hawks. There's no reason why the Hawks should have been in there over the over the cat. It's just because this stupid playing tournament. We, for the first time in years, we had a losing team in the playoffs over the Clippers, who finished 42, 42 and forty. So that's why I'm. I hate it now. Get rid of it. Let it be gone. What do you think, Matt? Any final thoughts? Well, uh, final thought, Marcus, that was a bold statement. I wasn't expecting to go there. I was going to take this in the direction of Mother's Day. All of you people out there, go tell your mother how you appreciate them. Don't post it. Don't, don't be those people that post a really long paragraph on social media, especially if your mother isn't even on that social media platform. <laughs> go, tell that to, go tell that to your mother's face. Tell them thank you. And I want to give a shout out to both my mother and all of the relatives that I have that are mothers. You guys do a great job, and I'm proud to call you as well as your children, my family members. So happy Mother's Day to all of you. Absolutely. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. I know you're listening, and I'll see you later today. That's going to do it for us here on Sports Power Talk on this fine Sunday morning. Make sure you check out our podcast, SPT Overtime and SPT Rewind, if you missed any of today's show on all major streaming platforms. Once again, I'm Logan Congrove, and I'm joined by Matt Bermuda. And Marcus Anderson, love you, Mom. And we will see you next time on Sports Power Talk.